0: From the truckload quoting page within TIE TMS, you can create a new shipment to instantly display your historical lane average alongside all of the market-leading rating intelligence tools. In just a few clicks, you can adjust the quote, add your margin, select your quote response template, and email an official quote right off to the customer from the same page. Request a demo today at tie-software.com to find out how TIE TMS can optimize your quoting process.
1: For the edition of Check Call, today we're covering the wide world of training. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call, the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Before we dive into our guest interview, there is some news in the world that you should check out. TruckParkingClub.com is single-handedly trying to solve the truck parking problem. The Georgia-based company has launched an hourly parking program that allows property owners, such as something like McDonald's, to rent out space on their lot. Basically, if a company has open spaces, they can rent them out to truckers by the hour through trucking TruckParkingClub.com marketplace. Parking is obviously one of the number one issues for drivers. This is kind of a creative way to solve that. According to Truck Parking Club, a space as small as 75 feet by 14 feet could generate $10 to $20 a day. These spots can be reserved at a time or either one day at a time or up to a week in advance. But to me, this is a win. A win is a win. Companies are able to monetize their empty spaces and truckers are able to park. We love we love success and wins for everybody. This week's market is none other than Spokane, Washington. The home of the world's largest basketball tournament has brought another slam dunk in the way of Reaver outbound tender rejections. Rejections in Spokane have been quite volatile for the past few weeks, yo-yoing between 5% and 27% think swings are infinitely harder to predict and accommodate. Typically the index over typically an index over seven to ten percent of rejections indicate an inflationary spot market while anything above 10 percent signals tight capacity. Spokane might not have seen the sharp increases in spot rates due to its market size, but expect rates to be higher there than most other reefer markets in the United States. Today we are joined by Nick Dangles, co-founder of Sync Logistics Training. Welcome back to the show, Nick.
0: Hey, Mary. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you uh, having me on.
1: I love it. uh, This is one of the topics that we don't talk about all that often. um, And it's kind of becoming a little bit more popular, or at least it should be becoming more popular. um, And that is one of those very pesky topics of training. You know, um, people have to learn how to do their job. It's no, not no longer really the days of uh, here's a computer. Have a nice day, by the way. Welcome. Um, but before I know we had you on the show before, but we didn't really get a good background on you last time. So why don't you give us a good background on why and then why you started Sling?
0: Absolutely. So my background is I've been in transportation for uh, roughly 10 to 15 years now. The bulk of that was in brokerage. Um, I'd say three-ish years ago, I started a small consulting company called Kinetic, where I do some sales and marketing consulting for freight tech companies. But more importantly, for this conversation at least, we recently kicked off Sync Logistics Training, which is a training platform for freight brokers. And it's a joint venture between my company, Kinetic, and also the people at Metaphora, who you guys probably know.
1: Um, Just a couple people no metaphor. It just rings a little bit of a bell.
0: I would imagine like me and Ryan go back a long way. He's the guy who hired me into the industry originally. So I have him to thank or blame for a lot of things in my life right now. But yeah, it's a joint venture between our two companies.
1: I would say there's probably more to blame than there is to thank only because once you're in a supply chain and transportation, you can't ever seem to get out. And, you know, it's fine.
0: Luckily, I've managed to get out of the day-to-day of brokerage. My icebreaker whenever I'm talking to a freight broker is that Anytime I think I'm having a bad day, I just reflect on the fact that I'm not brokering freight anymore and immediately everything gets put in perspective for me, you know?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's never someone calling you and as you're putting out one fire, someone else is like, hey, we have a problem over here. And you're like, this is fine. This is this is completely fine. Like every day is just that that gif of the guy sitting in the burning room like this is completely fine.
0: And like my wife is super thankful now because I'm not taking 2 a.m. phone calls in the middle of the night because someone can't pay a lumper anymore. I, it's just it's a night and day difference.
1: It is. It's nice. And I I will probably if, if, if I can avoid it at all costs, I will avoid going back into that world because I very much like not getting awoken at 2 a.m. because someone can't check into a guard shack.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I make fun of it, but I genuinely had fun brokering freight. It's unbelievably stressful, but like I come from a much different background. I used to be a lawyer in my twenties and getting into my first freight brokerage job where it's fast paced, it's dynamic, it's everything law wasn't. And it just, it immediately just clicked for me. I was like, you're going to just, you're going to pay me to do this. This is a job that I can legitimately do every day. So. I make fun of it, but I still have fun.
1: I, I do say that there are some times that I miss it and I would love to go back for like a week just to do it because like I know I still could, but it's the day to day, all day, every day that I'm like, I don't think I want to do that again.
0: I catch myself sometimes wanting to, but then I think back about everything that you just mentioned and I agree. It, it would be tough to go back full time.
1: But if anyone needs a sub out there, just give me a call. I got you. I'll just sub in for a few days.
0: I think you all I think you also asked me like why we created sync, which kind of ties into that, you know, because training just happens to be something that brokers neglect a lot, you know, and I mean that from both, a like a new hire and a continuing education perspective, um, like new hires, it tends to sometimes at one extreme be, hey, here's a load board. Here's a phone. <clears throat> Best of luck to you. Let's see how this goes.
1: Hey, you can't forget the, the map of the United States that you get as well. Here's a map of the U.S. Here's your computer. Here's a phone. Have a nice day.
0: Even more commonly, like nowadays, you're probably seeing like these two, three week long training classes that cover everything from, well, this is what a dry ban is. This is where brokers fit in in the transportation landscape. This is how czar lights impact LTL pricing and they just try to cram everything you could possibly know about brokerage into this two week class. And at the end of the day, like you're not even going to a role that or that's relevant after two weeks, um, probably not even after six months. So training is just something that brokers really, really struggle with.
1: Okay. So I think one of the areas that are really successful are the ones that, you know, take that two week training program, but don't necessarily lump everyone in together. So they might have it where you have the morning where you kind of learn about the industry or whatever, and then in the afternoon they break it out and they maybe have all the operations support people in one area, your brokers in another, and some of your accounting or finance people in another. I think when you break people out and then spend the afternoons teaching them things that are more relevant to their everyday job, because I know that for the most part, an operations support person that's doing a lot of track and trace, a lot of email, a lot of collecting paperwork, They don't they don't 100% need to know how LTL pricing works. They need like the rough overview. They don't need to get into the nitty gritty of, you know, what different czar lights mean and all that stuff. But your pricing analysts and maybe some of your brokers or account managers that are going to focus on LTL. Yeah, they're probably going to need to know about that. So I think that's where I see a lot of brokerages that are almost there. They have, they have the dedicated training time, but they still lump everyone together. So I guess, have you seen successes with that um, kind of breaking them out or have you seen success in people that are doing a two week training program? Just that's kind of broad for everyone.
0: No, I think to a degree it's different, like just depending on what brokerage you're at. And I do think there's a lot of value in having that like role specific training, depending on what specific role you're going into. What, what we've seen success with just through our experience with Sync is trickling out some of that additional content over time. And this is something that like brokers do struggle with because of the time commitment involved in something like that. But rather than cramming all that information in two weeks, give them the information they need to know up front based on whatever job they're going to be doing, right? So for instance, if you're going into a tracking role, Do you need to know where brokerage fits in in transportation to call up a driver to shipper and say, hey, are you loaded? Well, no, right? You need to know what a truck is. You need to know what a driver is. You need to know what a shipper and loaded means. But like, that's kind of it. So our philosophy is to really like help decrease ramp times by including this essential information up front and then creating a learning path for people so that they can learn that more advanced information As they're progressing through the next like two, three weeks, months, what have you.
1: I think that's kind of also a better approach because you have um, because I mean, you'll have it even when you go to learn how to use, I don't know, a new product in your house. Or if you go to your own training program or even if you go to like a leadership seminar, when you get hit with all that information at one time, you really only retain a part of it. So if you're telling me, here's a couple days of me learning how to do my job that I'm then going to take to my desk and start doing. And then later on, maybe we come back and as I say, hey, I want to know more about this or I want to know, you know, where do these loads come from? Like, how do we get them from the shipper? Then kind of educated in from there. But I think the biggest obstacle that we see is a lot of times you know to take someone off the floor whether it's tracking whether it's a brokerage whether it's an account manager take them off the floor for 30 minutes to an hour to two hours everyone's that's the biggest objection is that why am I going to take these people off the floor because they're making like they're actively making money and if I take them off the floor then even in some sort of rotation then they're still not then I'm losing money so kind of what is what's your like kind of how do you get around that
0: no like that's a good question because I would say one of the most common objections we hear is exactly that. You know, we don't have the time to take somebody off the floor for an hour to do additional training with them. And before I start criticizing that particular objection, which I'm going to do, I want to say that I completely understand. You know, like I've brokered freight, I get this a hectic environment and it is tough to pull people off the floor. But what I think brokers need to realize is that they need to have a shift in mindset, you know? I mean, rather than focusing on present day so much, you need to really look at what the lack of training it like what those implications are going to be in the future, right? How much more money could a person be making for your company? If they had better training on negotiation, for instance, how many fewer problems would you be having? If like tracking reps had better training on, I don't know, like what like weight restrictions or what have you. So it's really a matter of just reframing how you're looking at training and considering it an investment in the future of individual reps and your company.
1: I think that is a really good point because. You know, if you just kind of expect everyone to stay even, like if you just say, okay, everyone, here's the tools that you need to be successful, have a nice day, you're going to have those people who it clicks, they're going to be top performers, they're going to go, you're going to have people that are also going to struggle and maybe could benefit from some additional training, coaching, mentorship, etc. And if you have someone that's dedicated to do that, if you have a dedicated training person, or someone that's able to jump in, then suddenly, you know, those people that are suffering or aren't, it's not clicking right away. They're not just going to the top performer and bothering them. They're going to someone who's, you know, knowledgeable and can, you know, successfully train them and have, has the time to kind of coach them and make sure that they're, they're, they're thriving. Okay. Cause freight brokering isn't for everyone. It's a pretty high paced environment. It's a little stressful and, um, it's just, it's just not good for everyone. So if you have someone, I feel like if you have a good training program, that maybe has consistent check-ins or something like that, you can identify when someone's not placed somewhere that has their strengths and you can put them somewhere else, whether it's over account management, operation support. You don't have to necessarily let them kind of like suffer through till they just decide they don't want to work there anymore, you can place them where their strengths are and vice versa. If you have someone operation support that maybe should be in accounting, you can just kind of keep switching people around and then you still don't have to hire people. You're just, you know, empowering people to be successful and happy how they want.
0: Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the like high performers versus like the rest of the brokerage, medium performers, whatever they are, because this is another I guess, objection that we hear periodically in terms of, well, we don't need to update our training, right? Like look at the high performers. They got the exact same training as the low performers. This isn't a training problem. This is my low performers problem, which first of all, like what a dick way of looking at it. Um, am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Maybe, maybe not. Okay. But like, second of all, we'll think high performers are really unique in that They're good at figuring things out on their own, you know? So where your training has gaps where you didn't give them the skills that they need in brokerage, well, they just figured it out or they went out and they got the training that they needed somewhere else. They're the ones reading all of the sales books all the time. But think about what would happen if you actually gave better training to your low and your your mid-level performers, right? What if you could actually elevate them through your training to the level of your high performers? At the end of the day, like, isn't that what you want? Higher performing employees who are actually stick around your company and like training a lot of times is the, is the difference maker for them.
1: Absolutely. Because not everyone's going to have the 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 gumption or the, the desire to go out and seek those additional training things. They're just going to say, okay, well, here's my job. I'm not very good at it. I'm not really getting the resources that I need to be successful. So a lot of times, you know, not this isn't all freight brokerages, but a lot of them are don't exactly have the best environments where I can stop and ask for help. So at that point in time, I'm more likely to turn around and leave than I am to go and seek additional training from within the organization. And I mean, that's just contributing to turnover, which is already extremely high for freight brokers, especially in like the first six months.
0: Yeah. And I talk about like the value of training from a recruiting and retention standpoint a lot. I know Charlie Saffro talks about this a lot too. So I sometimes steal her content, but like particularly in like the new generation coming into the industry, they really want professional development. You know, making money is awesome. Everyone loves making money, but at the same time, if you're making six figures, but your career's going nowhere and you recognize that, well, you're 25 years old, but in like 20 years, you can be doing the exact same job with the exact same skills. I mean, Like that's a struggle for people from a retention perspective because they're not going to want to stay at that company. So, like, the moral of the story is really that if you want to attract good talent and retain that talent, like, you need, you absolutely need to train them.
1: Absolutely. Or you if you and if, you know, training's not something that's feasible right now, which let's be honest, it should always be feasible, then you need to have some sort of career progression, career development. Because if you like you said, if that person's sitting there for 10, 20, whatever years, like yeah, sure, when you're 25 and just starting out, okay, maybe move from op support over to a brokerage or a broker role and you can get going. Um, and you know you're making good money for a 25-year-old, but also five, six years from now, maybe when you don't want to be woken up at two o'clock in the morning, well, what does that look like for me? Is there a supervisory role? Is there a manager role? Basically, is there a career progression? Um, And then in turn, is there a way for me to switch to another department? Like if I realize after 10 years, I'm kind of tired of this, can I go over to the pricing or procurement team? Can I go over to implementation? Can I go over to sales? Like what kind of extra opportunities are there? And that It doesn't start until you get that exposure that comes from that training. And I think that you touched on a very good point of, you know, that important part of retention is just realizing that someone doesn't want to do the same job for forever.
0: I want to circle back to something you mentioned because you said that if you don't have like the training abilities available, at least have the career progression available, which I agree with. But I think the reverse is also true because a lot of brokerages have very flat structures and don't necessarily have the career progression of, uh, available. I mean, like you're, you might progress to senior carrier rep, but like those C-suite positions aren't opening for you in like a 20 person brokerage. but to help retain those people, what you can offer is training. you know because if you're learning new skills, if you're getting that management training, the soft skills professional development, as long as you're learning through your job, A lot of the time, that's enough to keep people around, even if you don't have the actual career progression available to you.
1: Right. And then in turn, with that training, you know, you never know when someone something resonates with someone in training and they're like, oh, hey, we can do this. We can implement this new process that will, you know, increase efficiency or whatever. And suddenly they've created a job for themselves just by, you know, taking some of the training that they got and running with it. And so that extra 30 minutes or an hour off the floor suddenly now is saving your company maybe potentially thousands of dollars a month all because this person took an hour to go take, to go learn something new.
0: I'll admit that this is one of the things I actually stole from Charlie Safro talking about how like training can actually increase retention in that, in that respect, if you don't have management positions available. And I think it's, I think it's very accurate.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's another way that someone feels valued and heard, and um, you know, because people want more than just a paycheck from their job. They want to feel like they're a part of the team, and the best way to do that and build that all important culture is by taking some of these steps. And yeah, okay, so you have to take people off the floor for an hour. Well, if you take, if you take a couple brokers off the floor for an hour Monday, a couple more off Tuesday. It's just like lunch coverage. Everyone's able to do it. Shoot, you could even have a lunch and learn. And that way, everyone's getting their lunch break and learning something at the same time.
0: Yeah, I I do mention to people that if you can't afford to take one person off the floor for an hour, your company probably has bigger problems than you realize. So maybe reflect on that for a little bit. But like, also kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier, a lot of the time from an experienced um, broker perspective, I don't think people fully realize the skills that go into brokering freight at a high level. It's not just like picking up your phone and calling trucks off of a load board. I mean, there's negotiation involved. There's all sorts of soft skills. If you get into a management role, I mean, there's a whole host of other management skills that you need. And even uh, personal development skills. Like we use the example of financial literacy a lot, you know, like what is brokerage other than weighing like short-term versus long-term incentives? And maybe if you have some of these financial literacy skills, you'll start to understand better why, well, maybe I shouldn't bounce this truck today for 50 bucks because in the long run, this relationship is worth a lot more to me.
1: Yeah, it's one of those. It's just those little compound decisions that if I also if you can't pull your people off the floor for an hour for a staff meeting or whatever, through rearranging some coverage. What happens when that person gets sick? What happens when they take a vacation? Like there has to be some sort of plan in place. And that's the number one thing that drives me insane is like if someone is sick or has vacation or whatever, there's usually never a plan for coverage and just start there and then start up, start investing in some training because people deserve some time off as well.
0: They do. It's like the lack of structure in brokerages. Is probably a whole separate conversation that we could have. We're building out a course actually on customer profiles and SOBs. So if you're interested in like like a good place to start, check it out.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we're almost out of time, but I have two more questions for you. The first one is what is your biggest piece? What is your biggest piece of advice to someone that desperately wants to start training, but is maybe getting a lot of objections from some senior leadership?
0: The biggest piece of advice for someone who wants to start training is I would, I would say it's really working on that cultural shift. You know, you need to convey to people, and this is the same thing that we work on when talking to brokerages. You need to work on explaining to leadership the value in terms of like one profitability and loads per day, because that's what brokers care about a lot. And also hit on that recruiting and retention piece, you know, like, you're not going to stay in business in the next five, ten years if you can't recruit new talented people.
1: Is we already know where you stand on as a hot dog as a sandwich, so this time we're going to need your best dad joke.
0: I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, so I'm prepared for this. What has five toes but isn't your foot?
1: Five wait, five toes, someone else's foot?
0: Yeah, my foot.
1: Yeah. I don't know what that says about me that I am able to get it, but I absolutely love a good corny dad joke. It's it just makes my heart.
0: I'm sure they'll be embarrassed by me in 10 years, but for now, they still enjoy it.
1: Hey, you know, you're a celebrity until you're not to them. So just stick with it. So if anyone wants to contact you about training or if they have a dad joke that they think can compete with yours, where can they find you outside the show?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on there allowed to respond to all my messages or shoot me an email. My email address is nick at poweredbykinetic.com.
1: You guys heard it here first. Nick's DMs are open for hilarious dad jokes. If you get any really good ones, Nick, you have to share them with us.
0: I will. I promise.
1: All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Mary. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Find Check Call, the podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other amazing FreightWave shows, such as Tracks Through Time and Truck Tech. Don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Check (laughs) Call.